God, we just honor this, honor you this morning, Father. We just offer what we're doing here to you, God. We just ask you to come and, and just breathe this morning on every heart that's here, Father. Every ache and pain that's in this place, God, I just pray that you come and your blood just cleans this place. We just declare your name, Jesus, as King in this house. We just declare your name, Jesus, as King in, in our lives. We just love you and we just thank you. Just ask, Holy Spirit, that you speak here this morning. That any words of man that get in the way, they just fall to the ground and your word penetrates hearts this morning, Father. Just thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. I will be a little bit honest. My sermon is going to be all over the place. <laughs> I have a number of different thoughts written down. I have no idea where we're going. We're just going. <laughs> this week has been a very interesting week. We, um, as most of you will have known, we, we lost one of our members this morning to go, uh, this week to go home and be with God. We, Alex East, um, lost her battle with cancer, I, I guess you say, but won her battle with with Christ, you know, she um, she said something interesting to Edith before she passed that she was a miracle in the hands of God, whether she lived or died, and that's huge for us to see what what she had done in this place, you know. And we went to her funeral on her celebration rather than a funeral on I can't remember what day it was Friday, and it was incredible to see the amount of people that were there and the things that people were saying about her, and something God spoke to me while I was there was that Alex lived a life that was real with Christ. She lived a reality with her father that she outworked in her life. And there was a quote that she had uh, written down that I want to read this morning because I just think it's, it's so pertinent to what we are doing here as Christians. It's so important to live this life. And it, the the quote that she wrote was, Each of us has one life to live. It should count for something. Don't live unfulfilled, discouraged, defeated, but live a life beyond amazing. And I think the, the, the thing that really hit home in, in what she was saying in that, the thing that really hit home in looking back at the life that Alex lived, I didn't know her for very long, but the thing that really hammered home to me was that she understood the reality of her father. She understood the reality of a walk in a Christian life. She understood the need to be a part of something greater than what the world was telling her she should have been a part of. And it is an incredible testimony her life. And the reason that we call it a, a, a celebration of her life is because we can look back at that and go, this lady led something that I want to be a part of. She did something that we see in the scriptures that we read about in Acts. You know, she, she was a part of something that the, that the disciples were talking about. So I want to talk a little bit this morning about the reality of Christ in our life, the reality of this Christian walk and the, the things that we need to remain focused on and the things that we shouldn't remain focused on. Because at the end of the day, when we, when we come to the end of our journey, the only thing we have left is is God. But the, the funny thing about that is that we have that right now. We don't have to wait to get to there in order to get it. We get that now. 
And I think the, the wake up call or the, the, um, urge to, to excitement and to, to drive is that we have in our hands the answers to the questions that the world is stumbling over. But we gotta, that's gotta be real to us. That's gotta be bigger than anything that we're walking in. That's gotta be when I, when I wake up in the morning, I understand what it is I'm here to do. I understand what I want to be a part of and I know where I am and I know who I am in that. And that sounds easy to say, but that's this whole journey that we're on is to understand that. I want to know more. God, I want to, I want to see you more in this. I want to do more things. I want to, I want to know who you are in everything that I am. But it has to come from a reality that we find in Christ. The Oxford Dictionary says that reality is the state of things as they actually exist, as opposed to an idealistic or notional idea of them. We just spent this morning singing about our God of wonders. We have to get to a point where that's more than a song, though. I love that song, To Pieces. I think it, I think Matt Redman wrote it. Um, maybe that's wrong. I'm not sure who wrote it. Um, but the words in that song draw a picture of a father greater than anything we could ever come against. And we sing that song often in churches and we've been singing that song for years and songs just like that. But they have to become more than a song. That reality that God, you are a God of wonders. Beyond anything that we can see. Until that becomes a reality rooted in our heart that when we come up against a mountain, we go back to the the reality of that song of what that's put in our heart. And it becomes... The state of things becomes as it actually exists, as it is there. That this isn't a, this isn't a, a thing, a fairy tale that we just say to get through things. I had a conversation with a friend this week and he was, um, he was talking, he was supposing the fact that what I was saying was an idealistic fairy tale. That I was, I was telling him to put hope in something other than the situation that he was facing. It has to become more than a, a fairy tale for us. When Tim read that scripture this morning, I was thinking, that's fantastic to read that. But until that becomes our life, until that becomes real, that those words become more than a book written a couple thousand years ago, we're going to struggle to continue to walk through this thing. And there was a, there, I know this is pretty raw and odd, but it's just where I think we're at at the moment. I was speaking with Edie this week and I was saying to Edie, you know, there's, there's so much we don't understand. And it was so incredible to sit across from her and she kept saying, yeah, but God, <laughs> but God. And we can get caught up in the frustration of things where we, there's stuff that's happening that we don't understand, but God, keep coming back. I spoke about it a few weeks ago. Keep coming back to the promise. Keep coming back to the reality of, of God, I want to be there with you. I want to understand what you're doing in this thing. Go with me to Luke 15, verse 11, 32, if you can. Oh, sorry, Luke 15, verse 11. I want to tell us, tell you two stories. And I think both the stories carry with them 
a an interesting point and one that we find often. You will have heard this story, if you haven't been in the church long, you may not have heard this story, but the story of the prodigal son, I think there's about 35 sermons in this story of different avenues, different points, different things that you can see, different things that the verse is actually saying. But I want to focus on on one thing this morning. So the parable of the prodigal son, a father has two sons. One of the sons decides, sorry, a father has, a wealthy father has two sons. He has an inheritance for both his sons that when they get to a certain um, age, they would be able to take that inheritance and continue to work his business, his land, and continue in his wealth. One of the sons decides, actually, no, I don't want that for then. I want to take what is mine and I want to go. And the interesting thing about the prodigal son is that the reality of the prodigal son's life was not in his father's house. He was living in a house, in, a, in an amazingly spectacular house, above what a lot of others, they had servants, they had, obviously they had, we, we see in the scripture they had servants, they had livestock, they were not a poor family. They would have had everything they ever needed. But the prodigal son failed to understand that that was his reality. And what his focus was, was on something that was out there. He put everything that he had in a reality that wasn't what he was standing in, and he put it in something else. So he takes everything that his father will have given him, which I won't go into, but in the Jewish culture was a, a, a massive slap in the face. It was a, one of the most dishonorable things a son could do. But he, would take, he took all that he had, and he went out into the city to find what he was looking for. And the interesting thing is that when he, when he's caught in the squalor, Luke 5, 7, 15 verse 17, when he's caught in the squalor, he says, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. The thing that he found to be amazing and he went out in the world to get, he realized even the, the, the lowliest of the people in my father's house are fed better than this. So all of a sudden, he shifted his whole reality out into the world. He goes out there and he gets amongst it and he's standing in everything that he thought he wanted and then he realized, oh my goodness, my reality was back with my father. But he had already made the decision to go and put it in something else. It wasn't until he got out, squandered his inheritance and was laying in a pit with pigs that he realized, I've stuffed up. This isn't real. This wasn't what they told me it was going to be. This wasn't the exciting, uh, enticing thing that it looked like when I was back in my father's house. That when he stood in his father's house, everything but that looked enticing to him. The lies that he was being fed was more enticing than the food that his father was putting on his plate and the future that his father was giving him. But he didn't realize that until he got into the squalor. I'm not going to go there because I'm just going to, I'm going to tell the story, but if, if you want to take it down, in the old book, in the Old Testament, there's a, a book called Hosea. So I'm going to read from that Hosea, either way you want to look at it. Um, I'm going to read from Hosea, but I, I'm not going to tell you where it is just because I haven't really written it down. I just know that it's there. <laughs> so I'm going to need you to go and check it. 
Hosea, a prophet of God. They just keep that story of the prodigal son. I want to show another, another version of that. Hosea, a prophet to God. God says to him, Hosea, I want you to go and take a wife. And the wife that I want you to take is a, is a harlot. Or a prostitute. There's no kids in the room. <laughs> it was a, she was a prostitute. So God goes back to, Hosea goes back to God and goes, are you serious? This, this is her. This lady, that's who you want me to take as a wife. And God says, that's her. Take this lady as your wife. So Hosea goes to Gomer and says, and, and, and buys her. I think it says something like shillings or some shillings. He buys her as his wife. Come and be my wife. And God says to Hosea, Hosea, you need to tell her now that, that she is yours and yours alone. Which must have been pretty exciting for Hosea to now hear that God said, don't worry, I've got a plan for you. So Hosea, looking at the situ- situation through God's eyes, is going, okay, I'm going to save this lady. And God's going to bring me into a place where we can together walk out of this thing. So Hosea goes to Gomer and says to Gomer, Gomer, you are mine and mine alone. But the terrible thing is that Gomer's reality wasn't in Hosea and what God was saying. Gomer's reality was still found in the world seeking what she knew and that was unfortunately prostitution. So Gomer comes home from a, sorry, Hosea comes home from, from a long day of prophesying and he comes into the place and he would, he would, would have smelt perfume. He would have seen that she was potentially getting ready for something. And then she go, he goes up to his, the room to see his wife and his wife's not there. He then later finds out that his wife has gone back to find other men. And the thing that, that is interesting about this story is that God knew that, that, that Gomer was struggling with a reality. But he gave her the choice to focus on God and to focus on the good things that she had given. In those days, prostitution, prostitutes rather were seen as, as lowly life forms. So for a husband, for a man to reach out and say, I want to buy you forever. I want to look after you. That would have been huge. But Goma struggles to put her reality in God and struggles to put her reality in Hosea, her new husband. But the interesting thing in this story, again, just like the prodigal son, is that Gomer reaches out and says, I had something good. I wish that I stayed in that thing that I had that was good. I wish I could have understood that that was my reality. When she's, when she's with another man, she, she cries out and she says, I had something worthwhile. But because in the lead up she struggles to find her reality in the thing that was good, she sought it in something that wasn't. She ends in the squalor, looking back, going, God had a plan for me and I missed it. But you know, the incredible reality about our Father and about this Christian life that we walk is that God will still redeem her from that place. How many times do we walk a walk and God goes, you didn't choose the right path, but don't worry, I've got another one for you. Oh, you've missed it again, don't worry, I've got another one for you. That although she looked back at that reality and gone, man, I wish, I wish I stayed there in that. That prodigal son, when he's sitting in the squalor, 
oh my goodness, what I had with my, with my father. And then the reason that, that prodigal son verse is so incredible is that when the, when the son is walking back up the road to the father, the father runs to meet the son. And the most incredible thing, the thing that I love about that verse the most is that a father, the father takes a ring off his finger and he gives it to the son. That ring was, was how you purchase things in your father's name. In the Jewish culture, if you had your father's ring, the signet on your father's ring, you would, you would stamp that and that was like a credit card. He gave back everything that the son lost. You see, the reality that we stand in, sometimes we fail to look around and realize what we have. Sometimes we fail to understand that God's put us in this place for a certain time such as this. And I know I'm tossing out a lot of the <laughs> Christian cliche verses, but clearly, myself included, we just haven't got them. There's times where we, where we, and I know there's a lot of us that are, are in a position at the moment where we're going, God, I, I, everything is falling down around me. So in our panic and in our frustration, we, we put our, our reality in something else. But the thing is, is that when we get to that something else, we look back and we go, oh, I was right where God wanted me. Too often we put, it, we, we put our reality in a church building or in a church leader or in a, a good Christian friend. But we fail to understand the fact that that's going to fall apart just as quickly as the world's going to fall apart. Yes, we can draw encouragement from those people. We can draw understanding. We can draw clarity. We can draw leadership from those people. But if our reality isn't rooted in Christ, then we're going to continue to look back and go, man, I missed it again. And what I'm trying to, to, to get us to understand what we've been talking about in, in where we're taking the, the church in, 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 in our preaching from the pulpit is to try and get guys to understand, for all of us, myself included, that we gotta start to understand this for ourselves. We gotta start to realize, Jesus, I, I wanna know you more. I want to understand what this is. I want, to, I want this thing to be so real that when I face an issue, the, the God of wonders is not even something that I have to think back on because I already know that. That when I walk through a, a troubled time or even when I'm standing on mountaintops rejoicing, I can understand I know why I'm here because my Father allowed me to be here. Go with me to John 3.16. We've done all the other ones. We may as well do John 3.16. Huh? I want to show you something. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 
Go with me to, now go with me to John 17, verse 3. So that was Jesus speaking, saying that whoever believes in me can have eternal life. Later on in John, Jesus goes on to say, to explain what he means by eternal life. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ who you have sent. So earlier in the verse, Jesus says, those who know me will have eternal life. And we think, fantastic, I get to go to heaven. So at the end of my days, I'll get to understand what that eternal life looks like. But then later on, he clarifies and he says, let me show you what eternal life looks like. Eternal life looks like knowing me, Jesus, and knowing my Father. That eternal life that we're looking at, that eternal life that we go, man, I I hope I can tick the right boxes to get to that eternal life. Jesus is saying, the moment you know who I am and I show you who my Father is, you can have that eternal life that you seek. So when we look at the reality of who we are, when we look at the reality of of what my life is, what are the things that I'm doing, we start to go, I have eternal life because I know who Jesus is and I know who my Father is. So when we start to make choices, we make choices based out of the fact that I know who Jesus is so I know who my Father is, therefore I have eternal life and I'm going to live this thing knowing who He is. And it starts to really shift the atmosphere of, of... of how we live our life, because all of a sudden we start, we start going, God, where do you want me? How do you want me there? One of the most interesting things, and, and we hear it, and it, it's, it's just a part of life, and it's, it's a culture that I hope one day we can change, but people will, will go to a city based on their job. And then they'll choose a place in that city based on, if it, is it close to work? Is it good for the kids? Is there a school near that place? And then they might go, okay, well, we need to be a place that's safe, so we'll go, we'll choose this area. And in the end, they tick all these boxes and they get to the bottom line. They go, okay, uh, I'm going to choose Narang. That's where I'm going to go. It's close to work, it's got good stuff for my kids. And then after they've thought through that process, they go, okay, I need to find a church in my area. And what I'm trying to, to get you to understand is that we've got to start to understand how to put God first in all of those areas. God, where do you want us that's good for me to work? That's good for my kids. That's good for us to continue to grow and know you. But we put it around these things that, that the world tells us we need to put it around to chase safety, to chase security, to chase all these different things. And then we get there and we realize, crap, I've had my reality locked up in the wrong thing. But if from the very get-go, we realize this is where God wants me. This is where I need to be. I don't know how it works with my job. I don't know how it works with my kids, but I know God's called me here and I know he'll give me the grace and the provision to outwork that. I'm going to share your story, Tim, because I know you won't mind. Tim and Taryn came to the crossing point and they came for a few... Now they're scared because they don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Tim and Taryn came to the crossing point and we chatted with them. They got to know us a little bit and at that time we didn't have a kids program. And... I remember Tim saying to us, look, we, we need to be somewhere where our, where our little girl can grow. And we honoured that, respected that, said, look, you guys have to go and do it. And I know they went to a few different churches in the city, but when, when they came back to Crossing Point, Tim said to me, we couldn't go anywhere because it's not where God wanted us. God wanted us in this church. And they have been powerfully impactful 
in what, we've, what we did in Crossing Point and now what we're doing here with our community. And first, I want to honor you for that, but I, I want to explain the fact that they put their reality in God to say, God, where do you want me to be? What do you want me to do? Yes, this looks great. This looks perfectly wrapped up for me, but I can't put my reality in that. I've got to stay and understand what you want me to do. It's a little bit scary because you haven't given us, like what Brad said, you haven't given us all the dots yet, but I'm going to go to the next dot. You see, the enemy allows us to get wrapped up in this beautiful packaging and then we unwrap it and we realize that we're sitting with the pigs. But we'll never know how to tell the difference if we don't spend time trying to understand what it is that God's going to make it look like. Is that okay? Is everyone is everyone with me? Anyone upset? Fantastic. <laughs> I want to end with a verse and I, and I want to explain something. And then I want to offer a time for us to go into and, and just pray for one another. Um, and not because that's a nice snazzy thing for us to do at the end and it looks, it looks <laughs> nice and Christian and, and churchy. But because I honestly believe that there's people here who are struggling through things and cannot see the reality of God in the situation that they stand in. So if you will go with me to Colossians 3. Colossians 3. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Sorry, go up to, go up to, let's go to Colossians 3, 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also appear with him in glory. That's our reality. That's our reality in everything that we go through. In everything that we see, in everything that we look at. And I want to end with something that, a picture that, that um, a preacher by the name of Reggie Dabbs explained. He was talking about the fact that it's so easy from a pulpit to challenge people into the fact of we need to look at this and understand this. We need to put our faith in Christ. Because I haven't walked some of the journeys that you guys have walked or are walking. But he explained something that is incredibly challenging. And he explains a thing called drudge. And he has a a cup. And he said, drudge is simply this. Drudge is, is murder. It comes liquid, goes into the cup. Drudge, drudge is lying, your financial issues, your struggles, your pains, prostitution. 
goes, becomes liquid, goes into the cup. Everything that we see in this life that's tormenting, that's painful, every sin and burden, every struggle that we understand becomes liquid and it goes into the cup. And God says to Jesus, drink the cup. And at the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is on his knees. He says, God, I don't want to drink the cup. Drink it. I don't want to take that on. Drink it. But Father, drink it. There's got to be a drink it. And Jesus drinks the cup. And in that moment, Jesus understands every single pain we've ever walked through. Everything that you're sitting there going, you have no idea what I'm sitting in. Jesus does. Why? Because he drank the cup. But you can't see what I see. But Jesus does. Because he drank the cup. And see, we can stand here day in, day out and talk about this thing and until it becomes reality, until we really begin to understand Jesus took that pain. We'll have all the excuses under the sun every day. You don't know who I am. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the mountain I'm about to climb. No, I don't. And probably none of us ever will. But everything you're facing became liquid, was put into that cup and Jesus drank it. I always thought as a kid, I don't understand why this thing of Jesus hanging on the cross was such a, a terrible thing. People get tormented and tortured in terrible ways all the time. Why was he any different? He was different because he put on every sin that this world ever knew. He put on every pain and suffering. He wore that on that cross. It wasn't the pain of him, him hanging on that cross. That was the thing that was so amazing. The fact that he was whipped and beaten wasn't the pain that he took that's so amazing. The fact that he walked that thing carrying that cross isn't the thing that was so amazing. The thing that was so amazing was that he took that cup. He didn't want to, but he knew what God's plan was for him and he drank. everything that was in that cup is every pain and struggle that you suffer through right now and he knows it beyond the fact that that you can understand it we think we, we read those verses where it says Jesus knows the hair on your heads and that is exciting and it's and it's that's good when it's in a, in a good happy moment but when it's in the sad moment Jesus still knows every hair that's on your head when we cry out father Abba father help he knows and the beautiful thing is he's already been there before because he drank that cup but guys my challenge to us this morning is that until that becomes a reality in our life until it becomes tangible until this thing becomes I don't understand but I'm going to give everything for it until we get to that point we can play church all we like but the reality is is that God did send his son he did drink that cup he did take all of our pain and suffering he died on the cross he rose again he's seated at the right hand of the father and he's coming back that's our reality so why don't you stand Uh, during worship, I saw uh, across the 
heavens was like a big safety net and then I saw Jesus on the cross and he said no matter how far you fall I'll always be there to catch you and then Jesus said I've paid that price and then I saw the arms of God the safety net turned into the arms of God well I believe that in some ways about what we've seen today right that it doesn't matter how far we fall Jesus has paid the price for everything we'll ever go through and believe me I know I've lived a long time okay So guys, what I, what I want us to do is I want to position ourselves as it's, I know it's 11 o'clock, so if you need to go, that's okay. But what I want us to do is, is position ourselves in a place where we're vulnerable to God. We're vulnerable in a place where we say, Father, I, I want to know this reality. I want to know this thing that Mary's speaking about. And I'm not saying you need to recommit your life. I don't think that's the way. I think it is just a, a an understanding of God. I want to change my my eyes, my vision. I want to change what I'm looking at from this reality that's set in the world and I want to shift it to you and what you're doing. So if that's something you're feeling, why don't you come forward? Just come and 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 stand out here so that Guys can come and pray for you and stand with you in the place of, man, we don't understand this thing fully either. But my goodness, we're going to stand with God. And we're going to press in and ask God for these things. We're going to press into a place where where we want to know you more. And if you don't know Jesus, if, if, if you have no idea what I've been talking about, but there's something in you that's, that's burning, something in you that, that is, I don't have a clue what this guy's on about, but I want to know what this is all about. Why don't you come forward? So I'm just going to pray. I'm going to close my eyes and everybody else will close their eyes as well. And if that's you, if you really do feel like something is, is, that I've said this morning, something about just wanting to to step this thing into a place where I can see God. Why don't you come forward and we're just going to pray for you. There's a few guys that want to just lay hands and, and, and stand with God. Stand with you and God on this. So why don't you close your eyes.